If I have not met you, my name is Dan Knust. I'm the high school pastor here at the church. I am not the Pastor Dan. He asked if I would cover the pulpit this morning and bring a message for you guys today. So I said, obviously, said yes, as always. So um, this morning is going to be kind of a unique day, if you will. A lot of you know what I've been through the last month or so. And if you've ever wondered, remember back in the day, if you've got gray hair like me, remember 33s, 45s, 78s? Normally, I preach at a 78. Guessing that's not going to happen today. <laughs> might hear me at a 33. So if you've ever wondered what I sound like when I slow down a little bit, you may find out this morning, but you may not. We'll see what God does with everything today. So anyway, I'm glad to be here. Very glad to be here. Again, Rachel and I want to say thank you to all of those who prayed so faithfully for us for the last month, and I won't get into a bunch of details this morning. Many of you know what's going on and just wanted to say thank you very much from the bottom of our hearts. But Pastor Dan called me and asked if I would preach this morning, and I said yes, and here's what I want to talk about today. I believe every, everybody in this room and watching online deals with what I'm going to talk about this morning. Yesterday, or no, Friday, I guess it was, I was downtown in one of the stores, and this kind of prompted this thought, and God kind of cleared this thought up for me and asked if he laid this on my heart this morning to share with you guys as far as the scripture goes. Friday, I was at one of the stores downtown, and this lady, I don't know who she is, and she comes up and says, hey, pastor, and she starts talking to me. And I'm like, I had no clue who this lady was, which happens often. Anyway, she's shopping, and she's looking at shoes. And if, you, if she's like my wife, she's got way too many shoes. Right, fellas? We got about four pairs, and that's about it. And she makes a comment to me. She says, you know, pastor, temptation's real. And she says, I don't know what to do about it. And I, said, I told her, I said, well, and there's other people in the store. I told her, I said, well, you know what scripture says? God will not tempt you beyond what you can handle, and he will always show you a way out. And I told her, I said, the way out up here is going to be through your checkbook, unfortunately. That's what she was going to do. And she did. She ended up buying the shoes and, uh, and walking out of the store with a bag full of shoes, going home to put more in her closet. And it was funny because the lady behind the counter was talking about how her husband helped her expand her shoe rack. I'm just like, it's crazy. So anyway, the idea that I want to bring this morning obviously has to do with temptation. And I believe everybody in this room deals with it. And we're going to deal with it until we get to heaven. But I want to look this morning at what the scripture says about how we deal with it. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we're going to look at verses 11 through 14 is what we're going to look at. But before we do that, I want, to, I want to break down what we're going to be talking about in Corinthians a little bit, okay? I really believe everybody's going to deal with this idea of temptation until we go home to heaven. But I want to look at what the Corinthians were doing. I want to give you a little background on the book of First Corinthians to begin with. And then I'll kind of break down what I've got that God's laid on my heart as far as the scripture goes. 1 Corinthians was written around 56 AD is when it was written. The Apostle Paul wrote it while he was in the city of Ephesus on his third missionary journey is what's going on. Corinth was known as a commercial city, kind of a commercial center. It was a big hub, but it was full of immorality, paganism, and despite great obstacles, Paul started a church here and started to build a very faithful church that dealt with a lot of different things. Though the church was gifted and growing, it was plagued with morality issues Ethically, ethical issues and doctrinal issues. And I think when you look at the church at Corinth, I think it, America, in my mind, kind of lines up the same way a little bit in today's world as you break this down. 
the reason why Paul wrote this letter was to deal with some of the disorders and some of the questions that the Corinthian church, by their behavior, was starting to raise. So as we look at this, I want to I kind of break this down because earlier in this chapter, Paul talks a lot about the Old Testament and what the Israelites dealt with and how their behavior was toward God. And he sort of compared that same idea with the Corinthians, kind of giving them a parallel of what it looked like. Paul listed four privileges. Pastor Dan talked a little bit about this last week when he was talking about, in his message, about God being God. And remember how he sarcastically talked about how they read a book in, uh, I think it was seminary, where they talked about how the Red Sea, the Sea Reeds, was real shallow. And that's how they parted. God blew. There was a wind. That's how they crossed the Red Sea, which is false completely. And how the Egyptians, they all drowned and this kind of things. But Pastor Dan talked a little bit about this last week. But the privileges that the Israelites received when they were rescued from Egypt there's four th or three things that you see here. They were guided by the presence of God in a cloud. Now, I want us to think about this this morning as I break this down because Paul makes it very clear as I read the scripture here in a few minutes that we are not dealing with anything in today's world. Nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun that we're dealing with today. It may seem that way because it's new to us, but it's not new when it comes to scripture. The Israelites... All throughout history, we've dealt with evil, plagues, disease, wars. So there's nothing new that we're dealing with today as well. Paul's making it very clear to the Corinthians. We don't have a cloud that guides us as Christians today, do we? We have better. We have the promise of the Holy Spirit of God that dwells in me, that prompts me and guides me wherever I go. All I have to do is listen. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice, and they follow me. Do you? If you're a Christian in this room, we really got to get our arms around this idea that we have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us. The same spirit that hovered over the water at the beginning dwells in you. There's nothing we can't do. And in today's world, this is one of the scriptures that Rachel and I have hung on to tight. And I like the way Paul writes this when he tells Timothy, God did not give you, you hear that? God did not give you a spirit of fear. God gave us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. We have to remember these things. It's like Pastor Dan's always teaching us, I believe God. So when you look at this, they had the cloud, we have the Holy Spirit. They built golden calves, they built idols. We do the same thing today. An idol is this, something that we are counting on to provide us what we need other than God. What is your idol? What idols do you have in your life that you've built out of your own hands that you're depending on retirement accounts, jobs? I don't know what those are for you, but there's something that we're building that we're still today, the human heart has not changed. And we've got to pay attention to what Paul says here with the Old Testament, leaning into the New Testament. And their grumbling turned into rebellion, which turned into widespread, widespread plague for the Israelites. Paul is reminding the Corinthians of this, reminding them that there's nothing new. They're going through the same stuff. So as we read this this morning, I want us to realize that that's exactly what Paul is trying to get across to us today in this church, 
in 2021. You guys, there's nothing new. I know how hard it is today. I know the landscape of what we're looking at. But we've got to do what Paul encourages us here this morning. We have to keep an eternal perspective in the midst of what we're going through temporal. Because this is temporary. It's not forever here. We get, you've ever heard that story where there's the tapestry? Where on the, ups, on the, on the top side it's beautiful artwork, but on underneath we get the frayed, the knots, the shredded. That's what we live in. And we cannot be surprised at this. We cannot be surprised that we're going to be tempted until we go home to heaven. So temptation should not surprise us. We should expect it. Shouldn't we? On this side of heaven, we should expect when, when we, I would say it this way, probably this morning sitting in here, you're dealing with temptation because you're distracted. You're thinking about things out there instead of things in here. So we should not be surprised at this at all. Because the Corinthians were dealing with idolatry, sexual sin, and, and just moral filth in their world. And that's what we see today in ours, isn't it? Yes? So turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to read 11 through 14 this morning is what I'm going to read. And then I'll break down what God's laid on my heart. These things happen to them, the Old Testament Israelites, as examples for us. So read the Old Testament, please. There's so much in there that we can get out of this. And those examples that we've gotten out of the Old Testament help us with our walk today. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Verse 12, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptation in your lives are no different than than from what others experienced. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Verse 14, so my, my dear friends, flee from idol, flee from the worship of idols. That's what Paul is trying to get across to the Corinthians today as we read that, okay? So I've got three things that I want to look at, three things I want to break down, and one of them is be alert, be assured, and be aggressive. Be alert is number one. That's point number one. And you look at that in verse 12. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. If you're in this room and you think you're where you need to be with God, you're in trouble. I really believe this walk with God is something that we need to continue for the rest of our lives. If you get to where you're like, I'm in good shape. I'm right where I want to be with God. Be careful because you'll become stagnant and you'll stop and you'll slow down and you'll miss God along the way. It's a walk. We continually walk with the Lord until we hear those words in heaven, well done, good and faithful servant. So I guess when my kids were younger, my uh, stepson and I were having a discussion. It was a heated discussion. But we were having a discussion in the kitchen one day and he says, don't you ever just take a break don't you ever, he's about 16, so you can imagine what this had to sound like. Don't you ever just take a break from Christianity? Get off me, in other words. Just let me be a kid. I don't want to do this anymore. I told him, I said, a break to what? I didn't get saved until I was 38 years old, so I know what life was like without Christ. 
I told him, I said, no, I'm never taking a break. Why would we? We can never let our guard down because 1 Peter 5, 8 says this, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And if we start taking a break, you ever notice in those, and we talked about this before in the animal planet, the animals that the, the, the lions get, what do they get? They get the weak ones, don't they? They get the ones on the outside of the herd. That's the ones they attack. Where are you at in your Christian faith? Are you one of the weak ones on the outside of the herd? Are you one of the strong ones that are on the inside of the herd where your faith is strong, you're walking with God, you're doing the best you can with what you've had laid before you? Those are the things we've got to pay attention to. We can never take a break because we live in, have you noticed we live in a wicked world? <laughs> Anybody else besides me? We live in a, duh, we live in a wicked world. We can never take our eyes off of God. The last time I think I got to preach, or one time before this not long ago, how do we not grow weary? Hebrews 12 makes it very clear we do not grow weary because we keep our eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of our faith. My goodness, folks, in today's world, where else would we look? Why in the world would we take our eyes off God? We do because we're human. And when we realize we do, we make a choice. And we put him back on him again. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anybody angry today with what the world's going through? Righteous indignation is Okay. But righteous indignation, being angry at evil and loving God, will not lead to sin. So we got to make sure that when we're angry and we're having our fits and we're talking to people in our communities about what the world looks like and we don't know what to do, we got to be awful careful, folks, that we keep righteous indignation. In other words, hate what is evil and love what is good. And what is good is God. And if we keep that our eyes on hating what is evil, do not love the world or anything in it, and we keep our eyes fixed on him, we will be able to deal with the temptations of this world. Temptations, temptation is something that we all know Jesus dealt, dealt with. Right after he was baptized, it said the spirit of the Lord led him into the desert. <clears throat> right? Led him into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. And what happened when he was there? He was tempted. By who? The devil. Everybody knows the story. Right? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Jesus dealt with everything we deal with as human beings. Hebrews says, we serve a high priest that has been tempted in every way exactly like we've been tempted. So we know, but how did he do that? What did he do when he was in the desert? He knew exactly what to do. He used God's word. Logos is the Bible. Rhema are the verses. We've got to memorize scripture. If we're going to be like Christ... And we're going to follow the pattern that he gave us. Don't we fight like he does? Paul tells us this way. We do not fight against flesh and blood. We're fighting against the devil. I really believe in today's world, everything we see is spiritual. And the devil is doing his dead level best to tempt us to, to start to look more horizontal than we do eternal. We can't do that we got to make sure in the midst of what's going on that we do it exactly like Jesus did it. We're in the Word. 
we're memorizing the word. When we see temptations come, we use the word. I like to, I, I use, I've used this over and over again in my life, and you guys have heard me teach this. I take every thought captive. Every thought that comes my way, I take captive. I don't try to push it away. Blessings, burdens, good thoughts, bad thoughts, I take them captive. But then what I do with them, the Bible says to make them obedient unto Christ. So when these things come and temptations come, we got to be like Jesus. We've got to be able to go, no, for it is written. And I'm not going to do that. we got to make sure we pay attention to that. Another one that I really hang on to a lot with temptation in my life, um, especially being in my 50s now, is King David. You guys all know the story about David and Bathsheba. David, the scripture, God's profession about David is he was a man after my own heart. And as you look at temptation, I'm, I'm bringing back stories that have been taught in this church over and over and over again for a reason. Because they're in the Old Testament too. And it's to remind us, gentlemen, that we are not to be lost. In the Bible it says, when the kings went out to war, David stayed home. Simply put, you've heard me teach this before probably, and Pastor Dan has as well. When the kings went out to war, David stayed home. David was where he wasn't supposed to be. It's not hard. I teach high school kids this all the time. I've taught my kids this, and I teach high school kids this all the time. Don't put yourself in a position to fail. If you put yourself in a position to fail, guess what? You're going to fail. And when you fail, you're like, I can't believe that happened. Yes, you can. Because if you reel back the tape, you put yourself in a position to fail, and that's why you failed. I believe every time the Holy Spirit of God is faithful when it comes to temptation to help us, exactly like he was trying to do with David that day. There's a why in the road. A lot of times when we deal with temptation, what we try to do is we try to go back and go, okay, here's the temptation. This is what happened. How do I not do that again? Let me encourage you with something if I can help you with something. I believe the Holy Spirit of God, before we get to what I call the why in the road, before we have this choice to make, my way or God's way, I believe the Holy Spirit of God is faithful to go, psst, don't. See, we're always trying to figure out how not to fall into temptation again, but we look too far down the path. We have to look back at God's faithfulness, and we have to look back at when he goes, don't do that, and I push through that barrier anyway. Does that make sense? we got to go back. we got to back up the film. we got to look at what, what really went on. Why did I respond to that temptation? Why did I get caught up in that? Don't focus there at the end. Go back. And see where God's faithfulness was like, don't do this. Stop. Follow me. And I believe he'll help you do that. Because David had that opportunity. When he was up on the roof, he glanced across the roof and he saw Bathsheba across the way. David could have. He could have went, no, I'm changing the channel. He could have went, no. I'm turning my gaze a different direction. And I really believe on that rooftop that day, God was faithful to help him go, shh, don't do this. And David pushed through it anyway. Everybody knows the result of it. Everybody knows what happened. But in temptation, that's what we end up doing every single time. 
if, you're, if you take your eyes off of God, don't be surprised if you fall into temptation, you guys, because it's going to happen. But we've got to remember what Jesus did, and we've got to remember what David did. David eventually repented. And I teach this a lot to high school kids as I look at this. Um, my kids and I, when we were younger, when we were younger and they were at home, we would be watching television, and this was before DVR, where you could skip commercials. And we would stop, and my son and I, when something came on the screen that we didn't want to see, we would talk to each other. We would practice glance and bounce, not stare and drool. Just to be real. That's what we would do in our home. It, it taught our kids, and as we walked throughout the community, we would not get caught up in that stuff then. Especially for men, because we're very visual in what we do and don't do. Right, gentlemen? Am I the only one standing up here? You guys going to leave me hanging? Right? We're all like that, aren't we? Because God's made us that way. But we got to make sure that we do this. We have to be like Job. And, and this one, I, and I'm going to honor Pastor Dan for just a second and say, in the real Bible, in the King James Bible, it says this in, in Job 31.11. I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look or think upon a woman lustfully. In most translations, it just says look. But in the King James, it actually says to even think upon a woman lustfully. And I think if we do that and we don't put ourselves in a position to fail, we won't fail. And ladies, for you ladies, most of the time, for younger ladies anyways, it has a lot to do with gossip and talking about other people and comparing yourselves to other ladies. Ladies, don't do that. Compare yourself to Christ. That's who you want to compare yourself to. Don't get caught up in this wave of the temptation that the devil's trying to tell you you're not good enough and you don't measure up. And if you look like this, you'd be better off. Well, don't you wish you looked like that again because you may be a little longer in the tooth. All these things that the devil plays in our head are very real and we've got to pay attention to them. But I want to look at this. If you've been in this room this morning and you have fallen into temptation recently or you're wondering, okay, if I fall into temptation, what do I do with this? Here's a couple of things that might help you. And it's out of the story. Second Samuel, you can go back and read this. Second Samuel 12, verses 1 through 14. Go back and read this because this is where Nathan confronts David about the sin with Bathsheba and Uriah and how that whole train wreck began to unwind in front of David. But here's what he did. In verse 13, he says, I, David says this to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. I think this is a very critical point in what we do with temptation because we have to realize we didn't just blow it. We didn't just make a mistake. We sinned against God. I'll talk to high school kids and they'll say, well, I'm never doing that again. And I look at them and I say, why? They said, because it was really bad and I don't want to get busted again. And I, I, I'm very honest with high school students, especially young men. I said, um, you're going to do it again. And they look at me kind of funny, like, no, I'm not. And I said, yes, you are. You will do it over and over and over and over and over again until you realize you sinned against God. You didn't just make a mistake. You didn't just sin. You rebelled against God and what he's done for you. Once we get our arms around that idea, that helps. And that's what David did. And David, in 1 John 1 through 9, here's another thing that might help you. If you've fallen into temptation, it says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 
So we got to go to God. we got to repent. And repenting is more than just going, I'm sorry I did it. Repenting is a change of mind. It's a change of direction. It's a change of your heart that you've repented because you realize you've sinned against God. Psalm 51 is perfect for this. Verses 1 through 4, David says this when he writes Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all of my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. You ever felt like that when you've blown it? It never leaves, does it? It's always right here all the time. And against you, and you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. That's when you get it. That's when you won't go back and do this again. That's when you've had victory. But here's what I would tell you. When you ask God to forgive you, and he does, you've got to get to where you forgive yourself. Because the devil's going to remind you of what you did over and over and over again. And we've got to believe that God says, if we repent, ask him to forgive us, he will do it. And that's where we say, I believe God. I don't believe the devil, I believe God. A good verse is Matthew 26, 41, how we go about protecting ourselves from falling into sin like David did. Matthew 26, 41 says this, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. So how do we keep out of temptation? We watch how we walk. We don't put ourselves in a position to fail, and we pray like crazy that God will help us not do that. Because you guys, think about it. If the temptation's over here, and I've got my eyes fixed on God, the devil can whisper, yell, scream all he wants to over here. I've got my eyes fixed on the one who gives me the strength, the power, and the ability to say no to the temptations of the world. And this is, listen, Pastor Dan teaches about this all the time, about having a sanctified heart. And it's right. But even if you have a purified heart, you're going to deal with temptation on this side of heaven because it's out there. I think a carnal heart and a sanctified heart respond differently to temptations, but it's still going to be here no matter what, no matter what we do. David needed to run. David needed to get away. But he didn't just need to run away from, he needed to run to someone when he did this. And that's what's going to make the difference. The second point is this. Be assured. It says the temptation in your life, the temptations in your life are no different from what others have experienced. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can stand. And when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Endure what? His relationship with you. God's pinnacle of whatever he's concerned about in our life, his pinnacle is our relationship with him. And when we endure, it's not just to have a good life on this side of heaven. Everything God does or doesn't do is to protect our relationship with him. That's the pinnacle of what God wants, and that's the pinnacle of what the devil wants. He wants to destroy your relationship with God. He, wants to, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy your relationship with God. So we've got to make sure that doing this, we're enduring everything to hang on to our relationship with God. The Greek word translated with temptation is also translated tempting or testing. The best way I can put this is every temptation is a test and every test is a temptation. That's how I remember this stuff. Rather than getting caught up, well, is tempting, testing, and testing, tempting? God does not initiate this stuff, but he will allow us to go through it. He will allow us to go through it because it will build us up, make us stronger in our faith so that we can endure our relationship with him. Every day when we get up, God's goal in our lives is for us to bring in glory and for us to hang on to our relationship with God. That's it. 
The rest of it, the minutiae that we walk through, that's the pinnacle of what we want to do each and every day. So we got to make sure that we're watching for these things. Are you assured in your heart that God is for you? Do you realize that he loves you and that he wants good for you? And that when you look in the book of James and when you look at chapter 1, verses like 2, two through 10, when it says, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, that joy is not the circumstance. That joy is not the situation. That joy is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what we're supposed to be hanging on to. That's why he develops us. That's why he makes us stronger. And do you ever notice that every time we get in the middle of a temptation or a trial or a test that we're trying to get out of it? Every single time we work our way out of it, don't we? We're trying harder to find our way out of it than to find out what God wants us to learn through it. And that's why God says at the end of that, if you lack wisdom, ask. And he will give it abundantly without finding fault. God has no problem about us coming to him with questions like we've talked about before. But we got to remember, we are going to suffer, but we got a Savior, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit that will help us endure no matter what. The last thing I would talk about with being assured is this, and then I'll move into my third point and I'll be done. I started with it at the beginning. Jesus had, Pastor Dan taught, taught about this, I think it was last week when he talked about the, might have been one of his devotionals now that I think about it. Jesus had the same thing you have as a weapon to fight off temptation. The word of God and the Holy Spirit. Because it says the spirit led him into the desert. So when you think about can I or can't I, you can because you have God on your side. Stop trying and start surrendering. Stop doing more and start surrendering more. Start living more. Start following him closer. In, it's Ray Vanderlaan did a study one time in the, dust of the, in the dust of the rabbi. You're walking so close with the Lord that the, his footsteps create dust that you are getting on your clothes. How close are you walking with God? How well do you... How much do you depend on the Holy Spirit? How much do you realize the role of the Holy Spirit in your life? Because the Holy Spirit of God is here to comfort us, and that word comfort doesn't mean just hug. It means strengthen. When Jesus, that's one of the, in John 17, when Jesus prays that I must go and I will leave you, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will send back, the Father will send back the promise of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit that dwells in us comforts us, strengthens us, convicts us, helps us, reminds us of all the things that Jesus has taught us along the way. How much do you depend on the Holy Spirit of God each and every day to fight off the temptations of life and to live this Christian life? Because we're not supposed to do this on our own. That's what God's here for. That's what the Holy Spirit is here for. And here's what else I would tell you. <clears throat> Phone a friend. The Holy Spirit of God is here to help us, but look around the room. Look, Take a minute, look around the room. We're not supposed to do this alone. We need each other. We need each other to strengthen us, encourage us. We need, we need each other to do this. In the middle of the night, when I'm being tempted, I've either got someone there with me, or I've got someone I can call. Sponsor. Christian sponsors, that's what we're supposed to do for each other, everyone. We're not supposed to do this alone. If you're fighting this battle by yourself, stop it. Reach out. 
Trust someone. Let them speak into your life so, you, so they would be able to help you. Say, listen, I'm going through this. Can you pray for me? And when we lift each other's name up to the throne of grace, things happen. Yes, Jesus is interceding for us right now at the right hand of the Father, but we need each other. We're not supposed to do this alone. So we got God's word, we got the Holy Spirit, and we have each other. That's where we find assurance that we're going to be okay. But we, listen, I think two things. One, Christians don't trust God much. I think they love him a lot, but there's a lot of Christians that don't trust God very much. But also, other Christians, we don't trust each other a lot of times. If we're just be boldly honest, a lot of Christians don't trust other Christians because prayer turns into a gossip chain. Make sense? We've got to learn to trust each other. We've got to learn to build community and unity as Christians because if we don't, man, we need each other. We need, we need each other more than ever right now to pray for one another, to be there for one another, to talk to one another. So we've got to make sure that we're doing those things. And the last thing is this. We've got to be aggressive, you guys. This is where I get a little fired up, and I'm going to try hard not to get too bad this morning, but we're in a battle. Do you realize you have a supernatural enemy that's trying to kill your soul and your relationship with God? Do you guys, you guys get that, right? Obviously, yes. But do you live like it? Are you that dependent on God to where you need him so bad that there's no way I'm going to get through this unless I know I'm in a battle and I'm in a fight? Now, we don't fight like other people. Paul makes it very clear. We fight from our knees in prayer. But, but a, what a better way to fight. Stand strong in the Lord. Stand on the rock that is Jesus Christ. You be aggressive and you fight. Because Paul says this in verse 14. So my dear, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. We don't just run from the word, world. We run to God. God says it this way, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. If you draw near to something in your life that is an idol, it's false. The book of Isaiah says this, an idol is a lie. We're going to think that it's going to help us, but it's not. And even if it does, it's just temporary. It's not eternal. We, we are in a battle, and we have to be aggressive, and we've got to fight in prayer. I want us to fight in prayer because if we fight in prayer, I really believe this. Our circumstance may not change, but God will change my heart and which will help me to deal with my circumstance that I'm looking at to his glory. You guys, I want to make sure you guys get that, okay, because I really want this to sink in on us because if I go to God in prayer and I pray and I lift his name on high and I go to the throne of grace and I'm praying like crazy, I'm fervently praying for something. And day after day after day after day, nothing changes. Do I stop praying? No. What I do is I start watching for God because what God's doing is he's working on my heart to deal with the situation that's before me to his glory. It may not go the way I want it to go, but it'll be to God's glory if I do it that way. That's why we have to pray. There's an aroma to our life as believers that I think is either repellent or attractive. And I want, my, I want the aroma of my life to be attractive. I want the aroma to, of my life to draw people to my, the way I walk and the way I live and ask me questions of, give a reason for the hope that lies within you, Peter says. And when that scripture was written, it was in the middle of turmoil and trouble. So all these things that we see in today's world that we're tempted in all sorts of different ways to 
walk away from God, to question God, to fall into sexual sin, to start to think, well, maybe people can pick their gender. Maybe that is okay. Maybe I've looked at this wrong all this time. This is a spiritual battle that we're in, family. And we need to act like it. And we need to realize that we have an enemy that's trying to destroy your relationship. And he will do his dead level best at whatever the temptation is in your life to get you distracted. And listen to me. I don't care if you're 10 years old in this room or if you're 95. That never changes. And we've got to be aggressive and we've got to stay on the ball and we've got to stay in the fight. Flee from this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Young people in the room. 2 Timothy 2.22 says this, Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with all those who call on God with a pure heart. So if you're young in this room, you're not off the hook. If you're young in this room, you've got a higher calling as well. And you're supposed to flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness. See, God always gives us something to do. God says, turn from this, yes, but turn to me. Every single time, he'll teach us that. So here's the battle plan as I close. I'm going to give you a couple things that hopefully will help you realize how to get out of this. And listen, the biggest thing in this is, I guess in my mind, as I go through this list, listen close because all these are about God. Listen to God and remember, he is faithful to show you a way out. you got to remember that. When you're in the middle of a temptation or you're angry or whatever it is in your life that you're seeing that you're having trouble with, stop looking for a way out, please. And start looking for God. He is the way out. It's no different than in Romans 8.28 when it says, all things, are, all things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You guys have heard me teach this before. We start looking for the good and we can't find it. Look for God who provides the good and you'll find the good every single time. When you're being tempted, no matter what the situation is, stop trying to get out of it in such a big hurry. Stop trying to find a way out of it. And start looking for God. Because others have resisted temptation. And that's the other thing I would say back to that idea of with each other. We've all experienced things and we can all teach each other. Here's how I did it. This worked well for me. Make sense? We need brothers and sisters as we go through this. And recognize people in the situations that give you trouble and avoid them. Avoid things that you know are going to get you into trouble. Don't do it. Remember, the why in the road, God will always remind you, don't, don't put yourself in a position to fail. Start, stop getting around people that get you gossipy. Start, get, stop getting around guys at work that are looking at stuff they shouldn't look at and talking about the things they shouldn't talk about. Find somewhere else to be. Get out of that situation. Run from anything you know that is wrong and does not bring glory to God. You ever wonder what your purpose is here on earth? To bring glory to God. To worship him and to bring glory to him. That's why we're here. So if you're in the middle of something and you're doing stuff that's not bring, bringing glory to God, stop it. I think it's 1 Corinthians 10.31 if I remember the scripture right. Whatever you eat or whatever you drink, do it to the glory of God. It's simple when we look at it that way, isn't it? So as you go home today, ask yourself, where in my life Am I not bringing glory to God? Because that will probably somewhere down the road lead you into temptation. Remember God's word. Memorize God's word. Seek friends that will help you. And then watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. 
But I really want you guys to understand this idea of God will help you. God's there for you. He will never tempt you beyond what you can handle. And I think in today's world, temptation for Christians comes in a lot of different forms. Used to be where we talk about, like I said, just sexual sin, money, whatever it is. But I really believe in what's going on in the world today, the temptation that we're dealing with has a lot to do with frustration, anger, disappointment, doubt, all these things that we see in the landscape of our our land, young and old. So be careful not to just think that a temptation may be a Bathsheba experience. A temptation is going to be something that the devil's going to try to get you to doubt God. God is sovereign. God is not surprised by anything that is going on in the world today. And there is nothing new under the sun. We're not being tempted beyond anything anybody else has dealt with, you guys. So go back to Scripture. Rachel and I have been going through Leviticus, and I'll close with this, and I'll have Tanner come up and pray. Rachel and I have been going through Leviticus at home. And it's, I, I can't hang my hat on this peg completely, but it's just a thought that I will share with you this morning. When you read through the book of Leviticus, the community of the Israelites were absolutely dependent on the priests for everything. Disease, food rules, all the regulations, they always went to the priest. And this is where I think we need to pray for Pastor Dan a lot. Because I think in today's world, God has pulled back the curtain of reality enough for us to do this. To see the landscape of what we're dealing with. And it's causing people to come to the church. And it's causing people to come ask pastors questions. I don't understand this. Why is this like this? Old end time stuff. When you look at all the different things, but you think about this. I think God is doing a great and mighty work. I really do. In the midst of what we're dealing with, you guys call me crazy. But I think God is at work and his hand is all over what's going on in the world today. People are getting saved. People are coming to church. People are coming back to to ask pastors questions because they can't trust anything out there. Because there's nothing. It's like picking up mercury. You can't trust anything out there today. But see this? This we can always trust. The witness of the Holy Spirit we can always trust. God is faithful. He never changes and he cannot lie. So out there is a mess. In here is there peace? I hope so. You follow God. You keep your eyes on him and you will not grow weary in your well-doing. And God will always help you find a way out of whatever you're tempted with. Amen? Tanner, come pray for us, will you? Pray with me. Lord, there's not one of us in this room who you do not know. You aren't aware of the temptations that we face and that we have faced and that we will face, Lord. And so with that knowledge, Lord, and with, with, our, with our weary and, and troubled hearts and the things that we go through, Lord, would you help us to remember what Pastor Dan has just got done explaining to us, a message from you and from your word, Lord, that we have not, we aren't just a sitting target for our enemy, Lord. In those temptations, it's not just a done deal that we are going to fall to them, Lord. That's not the case. Lord, would you give us courage and would you give us strength? Would you help us to remember 
your trustworthiness, that you're there and that you are willing to help. And as Pastor Dan said as well, Lord, it, it's so necessary, it's so important for us to know that our temptations aren't just meant for us to find our quickest way out, Lord. That's not what it's about. We don't seek out temptation, but when it comes, when testing comes, Lord, you have lessons for us to learn in them, Lord. Help us to remember that. You are, you are a teacher. You are a pastor, Lord, and your spirit lives within us, and you want to explain things to us, and you want to teach us. You want to grow us. You want to strengthen us, and not, and not in, so that we could claim that it's our strength that got us through, but Lord, we would know then at that point that whatever temptation we've made it through is on account of you, Lord. That's your picture. That's your way for us to deal with this. So Lord, help us to follow the words of Paul. Help us to follow the words, words of Christ that we listen to today, that we aren't just sitting targets for your temptation, but we can actively fight against it. We can be alert to these temptations and we can keep ourselves as best we can from falling to them. We can't keep ourselves from them, but we can keep ourselves from falling to them. And help us to remember as well, Lord, that we need each other to do this. Bring people to mind this week for each of us that we maybe should reach out to or maybe we should reach out to them for them to help us in our temptations. We cannot do this alone. We cannot do it without you. We cannot do it without your word, Lord. Help us to remember these things. Help us not to try to live this life alone. Help us to tr not try to go through temptations alone. Help us not to go through trials alone, Lord. We need one another as much as we need you, Lord. Lord, we're grateful for a God who offers us help when we need it. And we trust that you will always do that for each and every one of us, Lord. We're grateful, we're thankful for that characteristic, that you're faithful to us, though we don't deserve you to be faithful to us, Lord. So thank you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, everyone. Have a great long weekend. We'll see you back here next week.